Welcome to You News, the podcast, using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Wednesday, November 4th. I am Aranza Loizaga, and these are today's headlines. The impeachment inquiry into President Trump now entering a new chapter as it moves to the Judiciary Committee. Experts testifying today on the scope and meaning of allegations of wrongdoing against the president. This just 18 hours after the House Intelligence released its findings into President Trump's actions, calling him, quote, unaccountable and determined to use his vast powers to secure re-election. And the Catholic Church here in the U.S. once again reeling. The Bishop of Buffalo, New York, resigning after hundreds of lawsuits were filed claiming abuse at the hands of priests. This and much more today on U News, recorded live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin today with the impeachment showdown entering a critical new phase. A new round of hearings is underway, this time led by the House Judiciary Committee. This comes on the heels of the House Intelligence Committee releasing a 300-page report finding that President Trump used the powers of his office to solicit foreign interference to benefit his 2020 re-election bid. This is not about Ukraine. This is about our democracy. This is about our national security. Democrats are laying out their case against Donald Trump in a 300-page report approved by the House Intelligence Committee by a party-line vote last night. The report alleges the president pressured Ukraine to influence U.S. elections by demanding its leader publicly launch an investigation into Trump's rival, Joe Biden, and that his administration held up nearly $400 million in military aid as part of that effort. And in a surprise, Democrats also accused some of those closest to the president, including Vice President Mike Pence, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and Acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, of being knowledgeable of or active participants in the president's scheme. Pointing to this moment, Mulvaney acknowledging in the White House briefing room that there was a quid pro quo. I have news for everybody. Get over it. There's going to be political influence in foreign policy. The report concludes the evidence of the president's misconduct is overwhelming. And so, too, is the evidence of his obstruction of Congress. The president instructed witnesses not to appear. The president used his office and his bully pulpit to try to intimidate witnesses. Overseas, at a NATO summit, the president fired back. I think Adam Schiff is a deranged human being. I think he grew up with a complex for lots of reasons that are obvious. I think he's a very sick man, and he lies. Trump also claimed he would be open to some of his top advisers testifying in an impeachment trial in the Republican-led Senate, despite blocking every attempt by the House Intelligence Committee to obtain that very testimony. When it's fair, it will be fair in the Senate. I would love to have Mike Pompeo. I'd love to have Mitch. I'd love to have uh, Rick Perry uh, and many other people testify. But I don't want him to testify when this is a total fix. You know what a fix is? is a fix. Just think of it. Back home, Republicans are standing by the president, issuing their own report. They're having one big problem. And the big problem is the president did nothing wrong. And they can't prove it. But Democrats continue to build their case, revealing new evidence uncovered after the last round of public hearings. Phone records between the president's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, and the Office of Management and Budget. That's the agency that controlled the withholding of aid to Ukraine. Certainly the phone records show that there was considerable coordination among the parties, including the White House. Democrats say they're ready to move on to the next question in the impeachment inquiry. The question now is what does Congress do about this? 
And with that 300-page report from the House Intelligence Committee, the impeachment inquiry moves forward to the House Judiciary Committee. Today, that committee is holding its first public hearing with the intention to establish if the president did, in fact, commit impeachable offenses. Lorraine Cáceres has the details. Weeks of investigation by the Intelligence Committee, the House Judiciary Committee now on the task of determining if Donald Trump abused the power of his presidency. If it is true that President Trump has committed an impeachable offense or multiple impeachable offenses, then we must move swiftly to do our duty and charge him accordingly. Inviting four law professors from the country's most prestigious universities to present their analysis of what the Constitution says and explain the history of why the option of impeachment was important to our founding fathers. The framers from the very outset of the Constitutional Convention in 1787 made it crystal clear that the president would be subject to impeachment in order to demonstrate that the president was subordinate to the law. Republicans determined to interrupt the hearing on procedural objections. The gentleman will suspend that is not a proper parliamentary inquiry. It is a proper it parliamentary inquiry. Insisting that the process is being rushed. But if you want to know what's really driving this, there's two things. It's called the clock and the calendar. Suggesting Democrats are prioritizing their political agenda, not the facts. What's interesting is that the chairman talked a lot about the founders from the quotes, and, and again, this is why we have the hearing, about the founders being concerned about foreign influence, but what he also <coughs> didn't quote was the founders being really, really concerned about political impeachment. Because you just don't like the guy. You haven't liked him since November of 2016. Three out of four witnesses agreeing in their expert analysis. Did President Trump commit the impeachable high crime and misdemeanor of abuse of power? We three are unanimous. If Congress fails to impeach here, then the impeachment process has lost all meaning. But Professor Jonathan Turley of the George Washington University Law School concluding it's too soon to make an absolute determination, saying the Ukraine matter doesn't have a wide enough foundation to hold up in a Senate trial. I'm concerned about lowering impeachment standards to fit a paucity of evidence, and an abundance of anger. Professor Turley warned Democrats that, quote, fast and narrow impeachments have failed before, suggesting this might be the fastest impeachment process in history. Republicans gave him a chance to elaborate on his views after Democrats only asked him one yes or no question. Back to you, Aranza. Lorraine, thank you very much. Meanwhile, as the impeachment inquiry continues in Washington, D.C., President Trump is wrapping up his final days at the NATO summit in London after a series of tense ex exchanges with world leaders. Janet Rodriguez has the details from Washington. Janet, take it away. So tense, Aranza, that President Trump decided to abruptly cancel a press conference that was scheduled to take place right before he left London today. And he canceled it, saying that he had enough time with the press already for the past 24 hours. But President Trump really became a viral joke overnight after the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, along with two other world leaders, were caught on a hot mic poking fun at President Trump. Here's the clip.
And President Trump obviously was asked about this exchange today, and he simply said that Prime Minister Trudeau was two-faced and once again criticized Canada's contribution to NATO. The president today, before leaving London, had a much tamed exchange with Angela Merkel of Canada. And and also met with Tayyip Erdogan of Turkey. This meeting was not in the schedule and was not open to the press. And the president's grievances continue to be the same, uh, that the world leaders are not contributing. He said their contributions of these leaders are delinquent when it comes to NATO. However, these uh, world leaders are pushing back, saying that they are contributing enough and that NATO is not dead, as the president likes to say. But nothing concrete was resolved at, after this 70th NATO summit. Aranza. Janet, Wall Street was rattled yesterday after Trump said a trade deal with China could wait until after the 2020 elections. What do we know about that? Right. Nothing to do with NATO, but he seemed to rattle the markets, not only talking about China, but also hinting at imposing tariffs to uh, French products. And uh, what we know is that a deal with China was supposed to have happened back in October at uh, the OPEC meeting in Chile. That didn't happen. The no deal has been sealed. A phase one deal with China. And that worries the market because new tariffs with China are supposed to go into effect later this month. So we're waiting to see whether that will take place and that what would that mean for especially the holiday season with people shopping and many of those products coming straight from China. Back to you. Thank you so much, Janet. We'll be on the lookout for sure. Elsewhere on Capitol Hill, the U.S. House of Representatives passed a bill Tuesday calling for sanctions on China for its mass internment of Uyghur Muslims. The Uyghur Human Rights Policy Act recommends the Trump administration take tougher measures on members of the Chinese government and Communist Party and ban the sales of U.S.-made goods to any state agent in Xinjiang. All this over reports of mass detention centers run by the Chinese government. The bill passed with overwhelming bipartisan support 407 to 1. The proposed legislation would still need approval from the U.S. Senate. After months of pressure to step down, Bishop Richard Malone of Buffalo, New York, has resigned. Malone had been under intense criticism for his handling of sexual abuse within the Buffalo Catholic Church. In his statement, Malone hoped a new bishop could bring about reconciliation and healing. According to the Buffalo News, both DFBI and the New York's Attorney General are investigating clergy abuse and cover-ups in the Buffalo diocese, including allegations that Malone kept a 300-page binder chronicling abuse cases. A North Dakota company owned by a Republican donor has received a $400 million border wall contract after extra support from President Trump. Fisher Sand and Gravel Co. will build 31 miles of border barrier along the Cabeza Prieta National Wildlife Refuge in Yuma County, Arizona, according to a Defense Department statement. The deadline for its completion is December 30th of 2020. The company's CEO, Tommy Fisher, has appeared on Fox News to tout his firm's potential to build the border wall quickly and according to the Washington Post, Trump had urged the Army Corps of Engineers to choose that company. Turning to California, the Department of Justice has filed a lawsuit in federal court alleging the city of Hesperia and the San Bernardino Sheriff's Department discriminated against African-American and Latino renters in violation of the Fair Housing Act. Jaime Garcia has the details. 
The Department of Justice filed a lawsuit against the city of Esperia, California, and the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department for discrimination against Hispanics and African Americans that were considered a demographic problem for the white non-Hispanic majority. The city and the sheriff's department uh, intended intentionally uh, discriminated against African American and Latino renters to push them from their homes and from the city and to deny them housing in Hesperia, all in violation of the Fair Housing Act. According to the lawsuit, everything was done under a municipal ordinance approved in 2016 that would force landlords to evict tenant identified by the sheriff's department as individuals who commit an illegal violation on or near their property. Mandated owners evict tenants if the sheriff notified them about any purported criminal activity committed by any member of the household or even a guest or any person under an occupant's control on or near the property. The representative from the city of Esperia did not respond to our request for an interview, but a spokesperson from the San Bernardino Sheriff's Department said, We are aware of the lawsuit and disagree with the allegations. We intend to vigorously defend this in court. During the, the actual enforcement of the ordinance, there was this disproportionate effect on Latino families and, and individuals and African-American families and individuals, where 96% of the people evicted under the ordinance lived in majority-minority areas in Hesperia. The municipal ordinance that violated the federal law for equal housing was modified in 2017. But according to the Department of Justice, the intention was to maintain a white non-Hispanic population in Esperia. The city councilors who enacted the ordinance made statements in the public hearings leading up to the enactment of the ordinance in which they talked about the need to correct a demographical problem in the city. And Hesperia in recent years had experienced a large increase in the population of African-American and Latino um, residents. They also talked about the need, when, when referring to the people that the ordinance affected, the need to get them the hell out of our town. With this legal action, the Department of Justice is asking for an economical compensation for those Latinos and African-Americans who unfairly were evicted from their houses. En Esperia, California, Jaime García, News. Delegations from across the Americas met in Bogotá, Colombia on Tuesday, agreeing to prohibit travel within their borders for Venezuelan President Nicolás Maduro and families and officials close to the leader. The meeting included representatives from Argentina, Brazil, the United States, Colombia, Chile and Peru. They all are signatories of an inter-American treaty of reciprocal assistance. The meeting of foreign ministers sought to increase pressure on Maduro to call for elections. And a Peruvian soccer star was killed and two Colombian players injured in a road crash on Monday. Binational player Juan Pablo Vergara died in the hospital after the car he was driving crashed in the Puno region of Peru. Vergara was a veteran of the local league, having played for a number of clubs. Also in the vehicle were Colombian players Donald Milan and Deferon Collazos, who were injured but were expected to make a full recovery. And now to an exclusive inside, you know, of a very interesting place. This happened in Mexico because Mexico is having a very tough fight against organized crime. U News was able to go into one of these controlled areas where, you know, this uh, cartel of Sinaloa is actually 
making and also trying to ship crystal meth to the United States. Paulina Gomez was there and was able to look at one of these operations that stopped this shipment from coming into this country. Despite the failed operation to arrest Ovidio Guzman, El Chapo Guzman's son in Culiacán, the Mexican army is still going after the Sinaloa cartel. Recently, the army closed in on a clandestine lab in a remote area of the Sinaloa mountains where a synthetic drug was being produced. This undermines their production capacity, their transportation capacity. It does impact organized crime. Economically and production-wise, it is a meaningful impact. A long trip on the winding mountain road and then by foot is the only way to get to this lab in a generally inaccessible area commanded by Sinaloa cartel leader Ismael El Mayo Zambada. We locate them through aerial surveillance with our aircrafts, with our own manned drones and through ground surveillance walking. Along the way, evidence gives away the illicit activities that took place here, garbage and mainly strong odor of toxic and volatile chemicals that force us to wear special outfits for protection. In this area, they made a mix of different chemicals like ammonium nitrate, caustic soda, toluene, alcohol, acetone, we can even find lead. Military experts estimate that at least 20 people worked day and night here producing methamphetamines, but were alerted that the army was close and managed to escape. The chemical process that took place in this lab lasted some 20 days and a minimum of a ton of crystal was produced. Despite the fentanyl boom in the U.S., methamphetamines have not lost popularity in the drug business. A pound of this synthetic drug is $5,000 in the United States. The Sinaloa cartel produces, transports and exports this drug to the United States. This drug has spread throughout the state as well as our country, and it is important because it's their main source of money. These handmade reactors with a 40-gallon capacity were used to cook drugs. Once it reaches a certain temperature, the chemical produces liquid methamphetamine. After its distillation and filtration, the product, an amber liquid, is stored in buckets. The army guards these labs for weeks to stop criminals from dismantling them. We locate the labs, secure them and make them available for the country attorney's office, so they are in charge of deactivating them. Only in Sinaloa this year, the Ministry of National Defense has shut down 11 fentanyl labs and 72 methamphetamine labs. Paulina Gómez Bulchiner in Cosala, Mexico, U News. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your news, your world, U News on Fusion. Welcome back to U News. So, Apple.
Apple is giving out its own music awards. The tech giant announced the winners of the first ever Apple Music Awards Monday. Each winner will receive this prize. It's a 12-inch disc of silicon suspended between a polished sheet of glass. So who's taking home the Apple Music Award this year? Apple says singer Billie Eilish received its top honor being named the Global Artist of the Year. Singer and rapper Lizzo was awarded Breakthrough Artist of the Year and Lil Nas X won Song of the Year for Old Town Road. And if stores look busy this weekend, that's because they definitely wear. The National Retail Federation released its report of the five-day holiday weekend. It found nearly 190 million people shopped from Thanksgiving Day through Cyber Monday this year. That's a record of 14% more shoppers than last year. According to the report, shoppers spent an average of nearly $362 on holiday items. 71% of that was spent specifically on gifts. And smart TVs were a big hit on Black Friday and Cyber Monday, of course. But the FBI has a new warning. That new TV could be spying on you. Luis Mejia explains how the technology can be hacked by cyber criminals. And he has steps you could take to protect yourself. It's one of the best-selling items this season. Taking advantage of Black Friday sales, many are taking smart TVs home. For them, the FBI has a warning. Smart TVs can easily be hacked. They can even spy on you and your family. Security experts say that smart TVs are basically computers with a TV attached to it. And just as computers, they are vulnerable to hackers. The problem is people forget their computers and they neglect the simplest prevention measures. First thing on the list, set up a strong password. In other words, the TV set that you get for Christmas might be smart, but you also have to be clever. That means taking the time to change the password and never, never using the factory default. Experts also say you should never use your email password on your TV. That would give hackers access to much more data, including your financial information. We're not saying don't buy a smart TV. Just be careful so the television does not end up watching you. In San Francisco, Luis Mejid, U News. Thanks for listening to U News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow U News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.